So we've been on this journey uh, during Advent, and each week we focused on a different word. On you know, this the whole sermon series has been called the Christmas expectation. So we talked about about the Annunciation. We talked about proclamation. We talked about humiliation. We talked about anticipation. Last night I talked about illumination. And today we're going to finish up with the word, the key word is the word revelation. And so um, here are these words. So let's start with the gospel, Matthew. So I've talked about Luke's version of the Christmas story. So today I chose to be able to talk a little bit about the wise men. So here are these words today, um, Matthew's version, because we have the wise men in Matthew and we have the shepherds in Luke. And the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is this child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. And when King Herod heard this, he was, well, he was frightened. And all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been said and written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is the shepherd of my people of all of Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for this child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go and also pay him homage. And when they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star, and they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was born. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Uh, thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. So revelation, so here's a little definition, and so here's the springboard for where we're going today. So it's a surprisingly and a previously unknown fact, especially one that is made known in, in a dramatic way. We got that today in the story. Um, an act of revealing to view or making known something that is revealed, especially an enlightening or astonishing disclosure, revelation. So um, I was talking to my friend, uh, Chris Piper. You know, I shared with you all a couple of weeks ago that uh, my friend Don Piper, who's been here many times, uh, loved Don dearly, and uh, his daughter, uh, Nicole, passed away uh, recently, about two weeks ago, of cancer. And um, this last week I was talking to Chris. This is Nicole's brother. Uh, Chris and Joe are twins, so the Pipers have three children. So um, I said, Chris, um, how are you, how are you dealing with all this? Because I got a close relationship with Chris also. He says, you know, Harold, um, uh, we're, we're doing okay. Um, you know, we knew this was coming. It's, you know, she's been battling cancer for almost six years. And, um, and what was really powerful, he says, you know, Harold, I, in my life as a Christian, I, I probably maybe have had two or three times in which... 
I felt like a divine revelation had come to me. Um, very few times. But he said, you know what was interesting? Um, she died evidently the night that Chris and Don were in their church Christmas pageant. And Chris and Don were actually in the pageant and Chris was playing Jesus. Now this was a big deal. This is at Pasadena Baptist Church and they literally, they have thousands of people that come to this Christmas pageant, this major production. It's not only the Christmas story, but they take it all the way through Jesus' death and resurrection. So um, as Chris was there in the pageant playing Jesus, his sister dies. And he said, you know what's interesting? He says, of course, um, the next night we had the, the second round of the Christmas pageant. And he says, I, I, I didn't know if I could do it. And no one really expected me to do it. But he says, you know what, Harold? I woke up the next morning. And he says, my sister spoke to me, clears the bell. And she said to me, Chris, you need to get up and get ready because you got the good news to share tonight. And he said he was obedient. He did exactly as what his sister had revealed to him. He says that has almost never happened in his life, but he said it was clear as bell. I thought that was actually a very powerful, powerful story. As I thought about the idea of a revelation, revealing especially something enlightening or something astonishing or some kind of major disclosure. Revelation. Maybe you've had your own revelations in your life. Maybe there's been a time in which maybe, and now once again, these are things that maybe they don't happen every single day, but I can tell you I probably had three or four in my whole life of 59 years, I've had some kind of what I would call a divine revelation that God spoke either through in a clear way, either some, through someone else, or he spoke to me directly through the gift of the Holy Spirit, a revelation. I bet you can also maybe identify sometimes in your life as well. So today we have this great story, don't we? I mean, once again, it's, it's the divine revelation that God comes to us, the incarnate Jesus Christ, fully human, fully divine, wrapped in a manger, uh, wrapped in swallowed clothes, lying in a manger. And what's interesting about the Luke version and what the Matthew version, they're a little bit different. As I mentioned, the Luke version, you got the shepherds come in. It's a little bit more warm, fuzzy. But Matthew's version, the one I've read today, um, it's not as quite as warm, fuzzy. As a matter of fact, it's a little bit different because you got the wise men come in. And you've got a part of the story that we find, once again, as you continue to read about, you've got... Herod in the story, and Herod's really, once again, it says that Herod's troubled. He's afraid. All of Jerusalem's troubled because Herod's afraid. There's something going on here. And so in Matthew's version, it's a little bit more darker. There's a little bit more of a kind of darker part of the story. But kid Herod's in this story. He's not in Luke. And so what we find here is, I think it's very powerful when you think about once again, the Herod part of the story. I mean, once again, Herod is, well, he's considered the king of the Jews, but Jesus is considered the king of kings. And yet, once again, we find that Matthew is showing, well, showing for us this, this story, which, well, to me, has a whole lot to do with the difference between there's a conflict going on between two kings and two kingdoms. Well, I mean, you have the, the kingdom of God and you got, once again, you have this other kingdom that's going on in the story. You got Herod, who's in charge of a kingdom. He's the king of the Jews. And, but you got Jesus Christ, who's the king of kings. 
So today, this is where we're headed with this message. We have, you know, we've got, we've got Herod in the story, we've got the wise men in the story, and then we've got King Jesus in the story. And so let me share with you all, and here's what I hope to be able to teach in the next few minutes. And can you put this up? Okay, good. So here are the three things I hope to accomplish. So what do we learn about God from the story? What do we learn about ourselves from the wise men in the story? And then what do we ultimately, what do the wise men bring to the table besides the gold of frankincense and myrrh to the story? This is where we're headed today. So here we go. So this is what we need to know. So we have the wise men. Matter of fact, I've got a picture of the wise men. We can put this up on the screen. Can you maybe? Do, okay, so here's some wise men. And so it's interesting. This is a, a, a great rendering of, uh, of the wise men, um, you know, and that we, when we watch the Christmas story in the nativity, we've seen this. And we also know that the wise men came from, uh, ultimately, from Persia. So can you put that next slide up about? So here's, let me just share with you all. So this is where Babylon, this is where actually the wise men would have actually started right over here. And so they're going to have to make their way all the way, all the way around here. They're going to go up here, they're going to make the way, and they're going to end up down here towards Jerusalem. It's a pretty good trek. Matter of fact, it would have taken them, um, it's about 900 miles. It's a long way, isn't it? It's also would have taken them uh, about six weeks. So um, this is quite the journey when you think about where they're coming from and making their way all the way over here to be able to see, to see Jesus. And so we have that part of the story, which once again, we have the, these, these, uh, these king, or actually the, the Persian magi come along. Matter of fact, can you put that next slide up? And so here's another interesting thing. So they're, they're, all, the way, um, they're all the way down here, and they're going to have to make their way, and they're going to, here's where Babylon is, and they're going to have to go up here. And this is what they call the King's Highway. And it actually connected um, Africa to Asia. So they to start the way up here and they go all the way back up here and then they have to make their way all the way back over here, which is part of the whole journey that they, I mean, this is a pretty significant journey that to be able to, wise men have to make to be able to get to Jesus. And so we look at this story, we have to ourselves ask ourselves, what is this story really all about? And what do the wise men have to do with the story? So let me share with you all, this is some things I found out about the wise men this week and I think it's really profound. So they travel from the ancient city of Babylon, which is, I just showed you. This is a journey of 900 miles, six weeks to make the journey, the three months travel time. That's quite the journey, isn't it? The Jewish prophecy, they predicted a king of the Jews would actually come. The star was assigned to follow. They studied the Jewish scripture. They also, they, they were astrologers. They looked and studied the stars. The stars would be part of the divine revelation. They were probably priests among the Persian people. So we have all that going on with the wise men. And then can you put that next slide up if you have a little bit? Okay, so the Magi started about actually 600 BC. They knew about the mixture of chemicals in order to create smoke. They were, which is where we get the word magic from the word magi. And I thought that was interesting because, see, you know, when you think about a magician, what do they do? They create, you know, there's a sense of illusion. There's kind of a smoke, some kind of smoke screen. There's a sense of illusion. And so the early magi would create, they had chemicals that would create smoke. And this is where we get the word magician. They would have been advisors to the king. Most likely they were more than three. They would have traveled in caravans. So when we think about the nativity story, usually we think that there's just three kings that go that, all that like 900 miles there and back. But there, actually there was probably maybe 50 or 100 people traveling together 
which is quite the entourage, isn't it? Um, and they, we, and the, here's the last little part. We three kings really, they weren't really kings. So the song is completely wrong. I just want you to know that. I don't mean to burst your bubble, but we have been singing about the we three kings. And so it's, they weren't really kings. They were magi. They were astrologers. They were chemists. They were, had all these other things going on in their life. They were advisors to the king of Persia. And so it's interesting to be able to think about all those different attributes of the Magi, right? And what's is very interesting, once again, you go back to the prophecy in the book of Numbers, it says this in the 24th chapter. And by the way, the book of Numbers was written 500 years before Jesus arrives on the screen scene. I see him, but not now. I behold, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and the scepter shall be arise out of Israel. Numbers 24. So 500 years before Jesus arrives on the scene, we have this image. Matter of fact, I got a picture of the Magi. Um, I love this imagery. And so this, once again, talks about what it would have actually been like 2,000 years ago with this whole caravan of people traveling. So you've got, you know, you don't have just, you got three wise men here, but there would have been maybe 50 or 100 people traveling with them, which I love that rendering of that particular photo. It really kind of shows more of authentic view of what the caravan would have looked like um, 2,000 years ago. So then we have this guy named Herod. And so, um, matter of fact, can you show that picture of Herod? I, I think this is a really good picture. So this is an actor version of Herod. But when I went out and did my research this last week for my message today, this, is, this Herod actually looks like the original King Herod. It looks a lot like him. And what's very interesting about the story, so of course we all know the stories that, you know, um, the Magi follow the star because they're astrologers. They make their way towards Jerusalem. They get to Jerusalem and they find King Herod. And they go knock on the door and say, hey, Herod, we're here. And he goes, why are you here? Well, we've come to be able to, we've seen the star at its rising. We've come to worship the king of the kings. And Herod's thinking, oh, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought I was the king of the Jews. And then he gets a little panicky. Herod's a little paranoid, right? So then we find in the story so that he says, well, I tell you what, why don't you, so wait a minute, here's the interesting thing, is that Herod is a Jewish, he's actually Jewish. But the Magi are Jewish. And what's very interesting, they seem to know more about the Jewish religion than Herod knows, which is kind of amazing. And so he goes and says, okay, well, listen, I tell you what, um, let me find out where this is all supposed to. So Herod doesn't have a clue. So he goes to his advisors, right? So the advisors tell him where the Christ child is supposed to be born or where the Messiah is supposed to be born. And so in the midst of all that, he goes and says, well, this is where it's supposed to be. He says, I tell you what. You guys go and you find him and come back and tell me so I can be able to pay homage to him too. Not, right? <laughs> so we have that part of the story. And so when you look at the interesting thing, how the whole thing kind of continues to play out. So you have, we have to ask ourselves, what in the world is this all going on here? In Matthew's version of the story. And so what's interesting is that in Luke, you got the shepherds. And the shepherds are really what I would call the uns. The un, they were unclean. They were uneducated. They were uncouth. They were, you know, they were kind of the ostracized, the outcasts of society. But they were Jewish. Don't miss the detail. Jewish, they, they, without a shout out, the shepherds were Jewish shepherds. We also know that the shepherds actually watched over the sacrificial lambs. Okay, then we, but, but here in this story, we have, we have scandal. And the scandal here is because Matthew's writing to a different audience. He's writing to the early Christians who were 
Jewish Christians. And for the Jewish Christians, you would thought, here's the interesting thing, would have expected the first people to come pay homage to Jesus Christ would have been Jewish people. But they weren't. They were Persians. They were magi. They were magicians. They were advisors to the king. They studied the scriptures, but they were not Jewish. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So what's very interesting, we have to ourselves, what's going on here? So for Matthew, the first people to honor Jesus were not even Jews. And so what's interesting is that like um, the, uh, the Luke has the shepherds, Matthew has the foreigners, they were astrologers, they were consulted to the king, they were magicians, they were different and from a different place, they didn't practice the same Jewish religion, they didn't have the same prophets. What a strange way to be able to mix these people into the story. And we have to ask ourselves, what in the world is that really all about? And here's what it's really all about. God cares for, God works through, and God shows mercy to all kinds of people. Can I amen on that? This is revealed to the Christians, the early Christians, who were Jewish Christians, and it's revealed through the story of the Magi. Now, I think this is really interesting. So when we look at the, the Gospel of Matthew and we also look at the Gospel of Luke, when you look at this, once again, God revealing work into the Magi reveals that, once again, that it's inclusivity of God, that God loves all people, cares for all people, and that's why it's woven into the story. But what's also very powerful is that we find not only in Luke, but also in Matthew, this good news is for all people. No wonder that we find in the Gospel of Matthew, when you get to the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, can you show that text at the very end of Matthew? This is what we find. You ready? This is how Matthew ends up his gospel, which really has everything to do with the beginning of his gospel about being inclusive of all people. Because Jesus is not just the king of the Jews, but Jesus is the king of the world. He's the king of kings. Amen on that. Okay, so here's that. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and baptize, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to at the very end of the age. So when we think about this, once again, what's the beautiful thing is that Jesus tells his disciple, go and tell everybody about what I have taught you. This is the good news for the day. And so what I love about this and what I think is really, really powerful when you think about the inclusivity of God is that God can use all people. God loves all people. God includes all people. And this is a beautiful part of the story. Now, when I was thinking about kind of a practical illustration about this um, and thinking about this today, is I, I immediately I thought about my, um, my friend, this guy, this guy named Jeff Shope. And um, Jeff came, um, he came to speak uh, to us about two or three months ago. And once again, to me, this is an indication of how God can use people. Now, if you all came that night, Jeff was, um, you know, he was a former white supremacist. He was a, a former neo-Nazi all he did years and years of his life, he disputed hatred and all this animosity and he just continued to stir the pot. And all of a sudden, one day, God got a hold of him and changed his heart. So he came and he talked to us. He stood right here and he talked about this transformation that he was, and the first thing he did I was amazing to me. He says, I'm gonna show you a video and this is where I was several years ago. But he says, I have to apologize 
because this is not who I am today. And the next thing he says, I want you to know people can change. People can change. So I was so moved by listening to him. I, I reached out to him. I didn't think, you know, sometimes when people come and then they come and go. But listen, I reached out to him and I shared with him. I said, listen, I want you to know, I, I think you've got a really great testimony. But I think, you know what, if you can be able to incorporate how God is working in your life, I think it would be so much more powerful. And so this is what he wrote back to me. He says, you know, Harold, honestly, I have struggled a lot with feeling as if God would not, would not forgive me of my reg regrettable past, or rather feeling that I didn't deserve forgiveness. But as time moves forward, things are becoming clearer, and I understand he's, he is forgiving. It was mainly my own inner struggle of unworthiness that was complicating matters, but when I opened my heart and my mind, the warmth of forgiveness and healing arms were there. You know, God, much better, but my heart is open, and I'm thankful for your willingness to share your insights and wisdom to help guide me in the right direction. Jeff Shope. So you know what, to me, this is a story. This is a story, once again, of, it's like the Magi story, that, you know, out of all the people God could have chose to be able to come and be able to pay, be the first ones to pay homage to him, according to the Gospel of Matthew, was he chose these Magi, magicians, chemists, astrologers, Persians, and they weren't even Jews, which is just amazing to me how God, once again, it shows how God can use all people and can love all people and can be inclusive of all people. And so when I read Jeff's quote this last uh, couple of weeks ago when he wrote back to me, this is what I thought. I said, the world needs less polarization. Matter of fact, I have this quote up here. The world needs less polarization and more unification in order to create a better and more loving world. Can we amen on that? And so this is what Jeff was talking about. He says there was so much polarization in the world, and he was part of that, continued to drive home this polarization. And once again, God revealed to him in a great, majestic way. So here's the last little part of the message today. So I think about this. You know, the, um, so King Herod uh, was just um, not a very good person. He was a horrible person. And so that we find in the story that um, um, Mary and Joseph, they actually end up being refugees. Because when uh, Herod finds out that Jesus is born, he's, he's out for him. Um, he wants to kill him. He wants to destroy him. And so what's interesting is that it's about, um, uh, about a 300-mile journey. Matter of fact, I got a map of this. And so here's one, once again, you think about Mary and Joseph, what they had to go through. So here's, um, here's, here's Bethlehem in Jerusalem. They're over here. And they had to go all the way down here. It's several hundred miles. This is all the way down. This is in Egypt. And this is where tradition says they ended up, Helipolis, down here. And so this is quite the journey, right? And then they eventually, when they find out that Herod died, they ended up, and the coast was clear, they ended up going back this particular route back up this way. That's what we find. And so when we look at this story, I think it's really powerful is that, once again, we have to ask ourselves, hmm, um, why in the world would God send these Persian priests and they offer three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I never forget, I love this. 
I've told you this story before. When I was doing preschool, uh, teaching my preschoolers at my other church, one day I was asking the kids, I was teaching the uh, Magi, and I, and I said, so, okay, we got the Magi, and they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and I said, and what was the third thing? One little boy raised his hand, he says, gold, frankincense, and mayo, that's what he said, so I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Didn't know they had mayonnaise in the Bible, but close. So they had those three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, so why is that important? And the reason why it was important is because I believe that God knew that they were going to end up being refugees and they needed cash. So God provided the guests. I mean, they needed pampers, right? They needed formula. They, they needed to be able to get down to Egypt. They needed to start, and actually, they didn't know how long they were going to be, and they have, how long are they going to have to be down there? Joseph needed carpenter tools. They needed to start a new life because they were literally the holy family, and they were refugees. They were on the run for the life, so, which is really powerful. And when you look at the story of how, how God plays another role and how God uses these foreigners, out of all people, they were Jewish people, which, once again, it shows us the, the boldness of God, that he loves all people, he can use all people, he's inclusive of all people, he can use um, all people to be able to be a part of his great story, right? And so we have that part of the story, and so what's very powerful is, once again, and I, I love this part of the story is, I never thought about this way, but you know what's interesting is when the, goal, when, when, um, the Magi, um, Herod says, well listen, when you find out where he is, please come, come, come back, he doesn't say please, he just says come back, and tell me. And so, you know what? The Magi told him no. I never thought about that. And what's very interesting is that this is one time, I mean, I bet you, when you're a king, you don't want to be told no, right? But they didn't go. They basically said, no, we're not going back there because it was revealed in a, in a dream. God revealed to me, do not go back there. Do not tell them where, where the Holy Family is. Don't do it. And so basically they said, no, we're not going to do it, Right? So here's the interesting thing, what happens when sometimes, how many of us in here like to be told no, right? I mean, this is just so, and so what happens when we get told no, so often in our lives, we get angry. And what happens when we get our, when our anger, our inner Herod comes out? For example, the other day we went to go see uh, my son Luke, and, uh, and so we flew this airline called Avello, um, I would highly not recommend them, but anyway, I didn't say that. And so we flew a Velo. It was kind of like, welcome to the Kmart Shoppers airline. Uh, and so we, we learned our lesson. And so it's cheap, but you know, you got what you got. And so what's interesting is that when we, we were about to take off, and um, so there was a problem with the plane. And so we had to go back to the gate, and then we were delayed for four hours, right? And so I was like, this is just unacceptable, right? This is messed up. My, I only have this short amount of time. I am not going to tolerate this. So guess what? I get on the phone and I, I actually, I said, and I, I got the first person. I said, listen, I want to complain. I want to share with you all. This is what happened. And this should not have happened. And so, um, and the toilets didn't work. I mean, this is great, isn't it? The toilets don't work. And, and so it was just, a, it was a big mess. So I basically said, listen, this is not going to work for me. And he says, I want my money back. And they go, well, that ain't going to happen. 
I said, no, 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 no. I want my money back. And so, and, and so she says, well, let me go check with my supervisor. And she says, and then she comes back like after 20 minutes later. And I said, no, no. And she says, okay, Mr. Hinder, this is what we're going to do. Uh, we don't know exactly how much money we can give you, but there, we're going to research this and we're going to get back and we're going to send you an email and tell you exactly how much money we're going to give you back. Good luck on that. <laughs> right? And so I, find, I waited a week and then I got nothing. So then I called a fellow up, true story, I called a fellow up. And so what I found is, is that they have this automated thing. You can't get a person. And so you finally get it, I got it automated. And so I was on hold for 50 minutes, 50 minutes, right? And so what happened is I would do everything that their automated teller person would tell me of this automated, and I would do it exactly. And I would actually, sometimes what I had, I jumped the gun a little bit. And when you jump the gun, they, did, they don't like it when you jump the gun. And so they would kick me back out. And I did this over and over and over and over again. And I was literally going insane. Okay, and so then finally, 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 I get a person on the phone and they tell me the whole thing over and over again. I tell them everything. I said, listen, I wanna talk to a manager. Oh, you wanna talk to a manager? I don't know about that. No, 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 I am not hanging up. I am not hanging up until I get a manager on the phone. So I finally get Caesar on the phone. And I said, Caesar, and I told him the whole thing over again. I said, I've been holding on the phone for 50 minutes. This is unacceptable. And I was on the tarmac for four hours. And I said, we couldn't even use the toilet. Well, Mr. Henry, we can give you a $25 discount. I said, no, 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 no. This is unacceptable. We went around, 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 around. Okay, so do you get the point? I mean, the point is that sometimes we just don't like to be told no. And when we get told no, our inner Herod comes out. Here's another thing about the story, right? Is that, you know what, that we find that little detail in the story where Herod is terrified, he's afraid. And you're thinking, why would Herod, who's this king, be afraid of a baby? Which, once again, reminds us today, because Herod was so paranoid, um, he has his own insecurities. I mean, once again, when you look at that kind of the diabolical part, the darker side of this Matthew version, the story, because Matt, um, what, is, what, is Matt, what does Herod want to do? When he thinks it's a threat, he's going to destroy it. He's going to crush it. He's going to crush Jesus. And therefore, we find that once again, that little detail where he actually goes and he ends up killing some of the children in Bethlehem because he's so paranoid. Matter of fact, what's interesting, there's probably about 400 people um, there in Bethlehem. And you do the numbers on that, it's probably maybe 12 to two dozen children were killed because of Herod being so diabolical because of his own insecurities. And what happens in our own lives, folks, is sometimes in our own insecurities, our inner Herod comes out because sometimes what we have the tendency is to, we push ourselves up into where to put other people down. And God says, that's not the way to go. So we have that part of the story, isn't it? So we have a, there's a place in the story that where we have to decide where do, which king or kingdom are we really following? Because this is really a story about that. We can either follow Emmanuel, God with us, who's come to walk with us and follow that king, or we can follow our own inner king, this King Herod in our lives, right? It all kind of plays out in the story. This is really kind of part of the essence of the Christmas story that we find in Matthew's version, isn't it? 
which king or kingdom are we following? So I, I close with this today, and I think it's really interesting when you put it in perspective and think about, you know, once again, which king or king did we want? I, I thought it was interesting, my, um, uh, Catherine, who's on our staff, she's our receptionist, and she did her devotion this last week, and she says, you know what? And it was on the difference between, what's the difference between a belief and faith? Now, that was an interesting uh, question for us to think. And so um, we were going through this, and Ellen said, you know, she talked a little bit about um, her understanding and perspective about belief and faith. And she says, I'm really looking forward to what Pastor Harold has to say about this. And I really didn't know what, how to address that question exactly, but I've had a chance to kind of reflect upon it over the last uh, couple of days. And here's the difference between what I think the difference between belief and faith. Belief is a conviction. I believe this with my whole heart, but faith seems to be I have a sense of confidence that I really believe this is, I can rely on, I rely on, I really believe that ultimately this is a firm trust. And so here are the things that I really believe, that I have this confidence, it's a conviction in my life. I believe in the virgin birth, can we amen on that? I, I believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, can we amen on that? I just, it, I, I believe that ultimately when we look at the scriptures, this is what I truly believe. I have a conviction in my heart. I really believe this. And I also believe the best is yet to come in our lives. I believe there are times in my life that I've fallen trapped to my inner Herod. And there are times that I work, and I work really, really hard to follow that Emmanuel God with us and God's walking with Harold and God's walking with you, God's walking with the kingdom, right? So once again, I love this. Jesus comes to us as a child on the run with an impoverished and terrified parent and he knocks at the door of our house, of our hearts, and we either let him in or we turn him away. Just as I shared with you all last night, can you make room for God to write his story in your heart? So which, which kingdom are we following? So here's why I told you all, I'll give you the answer to these three questions. So here's how this all ends up. What did we learn about God from this story? Well, there's, there's only only one true God and there's only one true kingdom that we find that God continues to walk with us. Uh, what do we learn about ourselves from the wise men? Well, we are able to be inclusive and loving towards all people. This is what we find. This is the truth that we find, that God loves all people, is included of all people, and even can use magi. He can even use my friend Jeff, who was this, just was this horrible person, and God transformed his life. And now he's talking about love and peace and transformation and not polarization, but unification. And the third thing is, what do the wise men bring to the table besides gold, frankincense, and mayo? I mean, myrrh. <laughs> they follow a star, and find, but they find a stable, which tells us something about the humility of God and the wise men. So this story, you know, once again, what's the difference between faith and a belief? I, here's what I believe. See, I, I believe the story is not magic or magical but I believe it's miraculous. I believe it's magnificent because we come here today to worship a magnificent Savior.